0: You know, sometimes God's purpose for us is to go through trials and tribulations and temptation. How many of you like trials and tribulation and temptation? Most of us don't. Matthew chapter 4, we've been looking through Matthew and got to the temptation of Jesus. We have been distracted a little bit. We've been talking about the way to resist Satan and so on, but Satan when in, he, the Lord was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. God's purpose was that he be tempted and tested and tried. And God allows temptation to come our way as well. Now, giving in to the temptation is never God's purpose. Wouldn't you agree with that? 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1, talks about the fact that God's purpose is that we do not sin, and when we do sin, we can experience forgiveness through Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But God's will is that we not give in to temptation in the first place. Now, sometimes we make excuses. We, we say things like, well, everybody's doing it. The implication is if they're sinning, then I can sin as well. I bet I need a battery. Are there batteries in here? Okay. Let me see if I can real quickly put a new battery in. Y'all can watch how technological I am. All right, got the batteries. I always have a hard time getting them out. Usually not this hard. I think I'm losing it. I went by a Sunday school class to get a donut today. I couldn't open the orange juice container. I had to let Greg Oxendine do it. Is that better? We will see, will we not? All right, we'll see what happens. Everybody's doing it. Sometimes we use that excuse. I can't help it. That's the way I am. People are using that excuse more and more. Or the devil made me do it. That one's been around for a long time. Instead, God wants us to submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to God. That's what we talked about last week from, John, from James chapter 4. God wants us to overcome temptation. Question is, how do we do it? Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 to 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 to 13. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. It had some issues. In fact, it probably could be referred to as a carnal church, a church that too often allowed the flesh to be in control. Uh, A lot of times there were problems in the Corinthian church. And Paul addressed temptation in verses 12 and 13 he says this therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but will with the temptation also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it three principles in this portion of scripture These are general principles that really help us in regard to living the Christian life. The first one is humility. Notice again, verse number 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. When we think that we have our act together, when we think that we can handle the situation, guess what often happens? We fall flat on our face. Our pride gets in the way. If you studied the Sunday school lesson or went to Sunday school this morning, it was about Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter 4. And Nebuchadnezzar was impressed with himself. I'm not impressed with my mic right now. But he was impressed with himself. He thought that he was doing very, very well. In fact, he said, look what I have done. God humbled him. Too often, we think we can handle it. We don't have humility Instead, we have pride. We have pride. So number one is humility. Number two is faith. Notice it says in verse number 13 that no temptation has taken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Sometimes we look at the situation with the opposite perspective of pride. We think to ourselves, I can't overcome temptation. There's no way that I can live the Christian life. And there's truth to that. We need humility, but we also need faith. Because it says God is faithful. And he will make a way of escape so that we can overcome the temptation. So faith is number two. Number three is diligence. We need to take advantage of the way of escape that God has provided to us. He makes a way of escape, and we need to make sure that we diligently follow that way of escape. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We need diligence. We need to be depending on God diligently to help us to overcome temptation, to give us victory in living the Christian life. So there are three principles that we're gonna start with in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Number one, starts with an H, what is it? Humility. Humility. Number two? Faith. faith. Number three? Humility. Diligence. All three of those are important. And in fact, those three are necessary if we want to appropriate God's grace, make it our own so that we can live victoriously the Christian life. But not only do we need to have humility, faith and diligence, there are various things that we need to do in order to overcome temptation. We've already talked about one of them from Matthew chapter four, verses one through 11. In that portion of scripture, Jesus was led into the wilderness to be, Satan, to be, to be tempted by Satan by the devil. And three times the devil tempted him. Number one was to, to eat, to make the stones into bread so that he could eat because he'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Number two was to jump off the pinnacle of the temple so that he could be rescued by angels and everybody be impressed. And number three was that he fall down and worship Satan and Satan would give him all the kingdoms of the world. Of course, each time Jesus responded by saying three words. What were those words? It is written. He had learned God's word. And when he was tempted, he was able to use God's word to combat the temptation that Satan brought his way. It's a biblical principle. Psalm 119, verse number 11. Many of us learned this when we were children. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Isn't that a great verse? Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. We need to, number one, if we want to overcome temptation, we need to quote scripture. In other words, we need to study and learn, memorize God's word so that when we are tempted, we can use God's word to combat the temptation of Satan. Again, we've already talked about that one. So, so far humility, faith, diligence, those are three important principles. Number one, practice is to quote scripture. Number two is found in Matthew chapter 26. If you'll take your Bible's turn to Matthew chapter 26, the context is the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying. He knows that he's about to be betrayed and and to be crucified. But in in Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 and following, this is what it says. Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, John and James, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's a significant portion of scripture, is it not? Jesus is praying. In fact, other places it talks about him sweating drops of blood. His, his prayer is so intense. His sorrow is so intense. He knows what he's going to face. And humanly speaking, he does not want to face it. But he says, not my will, but yours be done. He had asked the disciples, Peter, James, and John, to pray with him. But when he came back, he found them asleep. Now, Peter, he had just predicted that Peter would betray him. As, as you look in verses 33 and 34, it talks about the fact that, that he said, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter responded by, basically by saying, not me. There's no way that I am going to deny you three times. Peter was what? He did not put into practice the first principle, which was humility. He was proud. He thought he could handle it, but he couldn't. Jesus said to him, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. My guess is that some of us have really wanted to live for God, but we've given in to temptation. The spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak, what we needed to do was not just to quote scripture, but also to watch and pray. Watch has to do with being alert. We are alert, we recognize that Satan does wanna mess us up. He's walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And we need to be steadfast in the faith resisting him. We need to be trusting God, alert with what is going on around us, but also dependent on God. Prayer is an expression of our dependence on God. So it's important that we watch and that we pray so that we not, do not enter into temptation. Well, what was number one? Not humility, faith, diligence, but number one, Matthew chapter four starts with cue. Quote scripture. Number two, watch and pray. Number three is also important. Flee temptation. Run away from temptation. I think it was Mark Twain that said the best way to overcome temptation is through cowardice. You, you don't hang around. And, and I think it's important that we recognize that that's an, it's, a, it's a principle that can really work. Genesis chapter 39 is the portion of scripture I'd like for you to turn to for just a minute. It's the story of Joseph. He had just been sold as a slave into Egypt. He'd been taken downtown or taken down to Egypt, verse number 13 one of chapter 39 and Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh captain of the guard, garden Egyptian bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he do all he did to prosper in his hand so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate and Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. So far so good, right? Sounds like even though he was sold as a slave into Egypt, things were going well for him. Look what it says in verse number seven. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So Potiphar's wife was tempting him to to lie with her. And he said, no, don't want to do this. How can I do this great wickedness before God? Joseph was determined not to sin against God. Sin was a serious thing for him. I'm afraid in this day and age, for many of us, sin is not a serious thing. It's it's not a big deal. Everybody's doing it. I've already talked about that. Uh, that The the world expects us, even, even those of us in church, to live like them, to live like the world. But for Joseph, sinning against God was serious. And he was determined not to sin against God. Verse number 10, Joseph stayed away from temptation. Look at verse number 10, it says, so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. He did his best to stay away from the temptation. And it just makes sense that we do that. Let's pretend that we're on a diet. Let's pretend that we want to eat well, so to speak. If we're on a diet and we wanna eat well, probably the best thing to do is not to go to Food Lion or whatever store you go to and, and buy chocolate chip cookies. Chips Ahoy, chocolate chip cookies. Or to go buy Oreos. Let's take a vote real quickly. Which do you prefer, chocolate chip cookies or Oreos? Everybody that prefers chocolate chip cookies, raise your hand. Put it down. Everybody prefers Oreos, raise your, oh. I need to eat more Oreos. If you're trying to lose weight, it's not a good idea to go by and get a bunch of cookies from the grocery store and bring them home because you will be tempted to eat them. Darling, you're not listening, are you? No, no, don't write it down. Did you notice I said, if you are trying to die? Okay. Did you know that many stores, you have a buy one, get one free? Anyway, it's not a bad idea to stay away from temptation. And he stayed away from Potiphar's wife. But you know what? Even if you're determined not to do wrong, even if you stay away from temptation, sometimes (laughs) temptation makes it way to you, it places itself before you. Look at verse number 11. It happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me, but he left his garment in her hand and what did he do? He fled and he ran outside. It was a scenario where he he was faced with the temptation. He had tried to stay away, couldn't stay away. It just so happened that he was in there and she was the only other one in there. She caught him by his garment, he left the garment, ran away. In other words, he fled temptation. He ran from temptation. And that's exactly what we need to do. When temptation comes our way, the smart thing to do is to move away from temptation. If you know that there is a particular place that you do something wrong, stay away from that place. If you know that if you go out with certain people, you normally end up doing something wrong, guess what you need to do? Don't go out with those people. Which is more important? Enjoying yourself for pleasing God. It's really a good question because many of us, if we were honest, we would have to say, well, I really like to enjoy myself. And Most of us do, but when you think of things in the light of eternity, it's much more important to please God than it is to have a good time. When you have a good time, it's like what my mom described one time. I was a little bit surprised, I was a young teenager and she was speaking to a group of young people and she said this sentence, she said, sin is fun. And I thought, well, why is she saying that? But she went on to say, it's like a bonfire. When you have that bonfire, you're cooking hot dogs and marshmallows and so on, sort of like we did on Friday night. It's a lot of fun, but come back the next day and what do you have? Just a bunch of ashes. Hebrews 11 talks about the pleasures of sin for a season, but that season passes and there are consequences to sin. In fact, Romans chapter six says, the wages of sin is death. So it's important for us to run away from temptation like Joseph did, to flee temptation, to use common sense if we're serious about living our lives for God. Just have one more. Uh, The first one starts with a Q, what is it? Quote scripture. And then number two starts with a W, watch and pray. Number three starts with an F, flee temptation. The last one is found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. You'll take your Bibles and turn there. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says, "'Let us consider one another "'in order to stir up love and good works, "'not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, "'as is the manner of some, "'but exhorting one another, "'and so much the more as you see the day approaching.'" As you look at this portion of scripture, it's obvious that we need to gather together. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's one of my concerns about COVID. I certainly understand that some people do not need to be coming. Uh, They're older, they they have scenarios, they are immunocompromised or whatever it might be. But there are some people that are just using COVID as an excuse for not going to church. And they can get the content online But the problem is that you're missing out on a couple of things. You're missing out on the fellowship. You're missing out on the service. You're missing out on the accountability. And that's what point number four is, be accountable. We need to encourage one another, exhort one another. We need to help one another, stir one another up to love and good deeds, it says. And then we need to exhort one another so much the more as we see the day approaching. What is that day? the return of Jesus Christ. He's coming back one of these days. We need to make sure we're living for him so that when he comes back, we will not be ashamed. And one way to do that is to be accountable, to encourage one another when it comes to living the Christian life. Reminds me of high school. I I was fortunate to be able to be part of the group that used positive peer pressure. You've heard a lot about peer pressure. Normally it's talking about negative peer pressure where others around us are helping us to do what's wrong. Positive peer pressure is where we encourage one another to do what's right. It's really following Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25. And we would encourage people to come to youth group. We had it on Sunday night instead of Wednesday night, but we would invite people to come and we'd, we'd go to youth group, have a great time and then hear God's word present it. We had a Bible study in my home one night a week. Normally it was on Thursday night. And different kids would come and we'd study God's word together. We had a Bible study before school every morning. We would get there about 20, 25 minutes early and just spend some time as a group of about 15 or 20, 25 people uh, studying God's word. And uh, my friend Dave Hilbish, who's spoken here a few times, had a guitar and he'd lead in a song or two. Uh, We we also spent time together as individuals talking about God's word and praying. And guess what? When you have that kind of positive prayer pressure, it makes a difference in the lives of people. And it's been encouraging to me down through the years to have some of my classmates come come up to me and say, it was because of you I trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Or I had a friend the other day said, "If, if it wasn't for you, I would not have gone into the ministry. He's a pastor. It's really encouraging that peer pressure can make a positive difference as we're accountable to one another, as we study God's word together, as we pray together. But that's one of the keys is the together. It's getting together and encouraging one another in the Lord. I think it's important if we want to overcome temptation to be accountable. You know, there are a lot of, a lot of principles in here. In fact. Uh, You you might wanna go back and listen to this again. And uh, you have the the notes that, that we gave out in church. I think the sermon outline should be online as well. We normally put the bulletin online and you can check out the bulletin if you want to, but go over it and just think about these principles. Remember what they are, the general principles. One starts with H, what is it? Humility, and then what? Faith, and then what? Diligence, don't we need to be humble? Trust God and be diligent to obey him. And in fact, when we're diligent, there are four things we can be diligent about that help us to overcome temptation. The first one starts with a Q, what is it? Quote scripture, number two, watch and pray, number three, flee temptation, number four, be accountable. You know, we have two choices. We can hear God's word and then just sort of forget it and not apply it. Or we can give ourselves to these things. We can meditate on these things and allow God's word to make a difference in our lives. My encouragement to you is to to maybe, maybe take a day to go through humility and pray through it, and then faith and then diligence and these other four things. It'd take a week to do it if you did one every day, but that would give you opportunity to meditate on God's word, because when we meditate on God's word and we memorize God's word, it helps us not to sin against him. I guess the choice is, are we going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, live for him, follow the principles of his word, or are we gonna do our own thing? Give in to the temptation of the world around us. Give in to the temptation of Satan. My encouragement, is that we say yes to God follow him and the principles of his word. Now, some of us might not know Jesus Christ as savior. That's the first step. Realizing that we are sinners, we don't deserve to go to heaven, but Jesus died on the cross so we can, if we believe, if we trust him as our savior and Lord. If you've not done that, I encourage you to do that today. But we don't need to stop there. Christianity is not a ticket to heaven. Instead, it's a lifestyle. And, and as we think about that lifestyle, we need to make sure that we're engaged in humility and faith and diligence. So we're quoting scripture, watching and praying, fleeing temptation, being accountable so that we can please the one who loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. Isn't that what you want to do? But it's gonna take humility, it's gonna take faith, and it's gonna take diligence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for the difference it can make in our lives. My prayer is that we might give ourselves and meditate on these things and trust you to work. We are thankful that when we do fail, you forgive us. But Lord, help us to not be thinking, I can sin and God will forgive me, no big deal. Help us to recognize the seriousness of sin and seek to please you with all we are. To love you with all our heart, soul, and mind and strength because if we love you, we will keep your commandments. Lord, I pray that you will transform us by the renewing of our minds so that we can prove your good, acceptable, and perfect will, in Jesus' name, amen.